The guests on Love Hurts occasionally use some adult language and go into some more intense subject matter. But that's kind of how real life works anyway. This is Love Hurts. I'm Brian Berlin. Today's guest is Alicia Lutz. Alicia is a writer living in Los Angeles. Alicia gives an in-depth look into her childhood, which featured divorce, abuse, and Alicia feeling like an outcast for having emotions. Despite all that heartbreak, Alicia is still trying to connect with and love her family today because of how much they mean to her. This is Alicia's story. Hey Alicia, how you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? Oh, pretty good. Um, how's how's your week been? Uh, you know, it's been stressful, but good stressful. Uh, just trying to get through every day as a freelancer, which is a special sort of hellacious journey each morning. <laughs> yes, I did that for a while, and then I got too stressed out trying to find new things, and then took a job at a school, and... I still am stressed out all the time, but I guess like slightly less stressed. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's sort of the thing about jobs, like whether you're doing your freelancing or working for a company, like I've done both in various capacities over the past few years, and it's all stressful trash. So like you really just kind of have to do whatever makes you happiest <laughs> because it's going to yeah. be stressful <laughs> and really anxiety inducing either way. Yes. Um, cool. Yeah. What, what did you want to talk with me about today? Well, I, when you reached out to me about the podcast, um, it was sort of right at the time where I've been really thinking about and writing about, um, you know, sort of complicated family relationships. You know, I, I am a journalist by and large in my in my day to day in terms of how I make money, but. I moved to Los Angeles to write scripts, and that's something that I've been working on a lot in the last few months. And um, family is a big part of one of them in particular, and uh, the family dynamics that I've sort of been working through is also kind of a part of that. Um, And I've really found, I think, especially in writing this and uh, talking with other people about this stuff – it, it seems to be that complicated, hard family relationships are a lot less rare than movies and TV and our social media presences would have you believe. And I think that, um, you know, it's something worth talking about. You know, I I have a very complicated relationship with my family um, yeah. and I try to love them very dearly um, in in spite of that, which can be really hard. And it's also really hard to do the emotional work that is trying to get over past traumas and um, just shitty familial issues um, when so much of it can have such a negative lasting effect, you know? Yeah, it's not a friendship where you choose it. It's kind of this, this thing that you're born into and you kind of have to live with it yeah well like I love my family and I'm terrified of them in equal measure yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and that I think is really really tough like I'm an incredible 
incredibly sensitive person. Um, more so than just like me being like, oh, I'm very sensitive. Like I have chronic hypomania. So I'm very emotionally up and down. I keep calling it baby bipolar, which is probably really offensive um, <laughs> to people who actually um, deal with bipolar disorder. But it is um, – it makes it makes things really – challenging, especially as I'm, I'm kind of dealing with figuring out what that means for myself right now and sort of dealing with that. And, um, everything going on with my family has been a real challenge. And I suppose I should probably contextualize that then rather than just saying the things that are going on with my family. Yeah. Like where, where, so yeah. Was there like something that I kind of stemmed from or like, what was it like as a kid that kind of developed into what it's been today? Well, is this all kind of, really sort of started because, um, I was largely raised by my grandparents, um, from the age of about 10 on, um, my family went through a very emotional, uh, dramatic divorce, which I will get into, but my grandparents, um, were there. We had to move, we moved in with them. We lived with them, um, all the way until I went to college and, um, they're dying right now. Um, man. Yeah. And it's really hard to watch the people that you love die. And it's really hard to watch them be aware of what that's being, what's happening. You know, my, my grandmother and my grandfather are both incredibly intelligent, whip smart people. Um, uh, they were always, you know, kind of tough, but they're always very, you know, loving in, in a way that, um, was very helpful and necessary, I think. And, um, it's, it's weird to see the people you love, you know, developing dementia and realizing that, you know, they're angry and outbursty in a way that they don't feel like they control can control. And, you know, my, my grandmother, you know, hallucinating and and realizing after the fact that she's hallucinated, but she doesn't remember any of this stuff and just slowly realizing that, your body and your brain are, are betraying you and disintegrating is so I just can't even imagine what they're going through. And, um, it's, you know, I'm very thankful that I have been able to see them in the past few months because they do live across the country. Um, I'm originally from Connecticut, but my family all lives in South Carolina now. Um, but it's been, it's been such an interesting, complicated, heartbreaking sort of reckoning as, you know, my mother and her brother and sister and other brother have had to sort of deal with this. And, um, you know, my mother really, she's a nurse. And so she's largely been the one taking care of them for the past few years. And that has just, I think, opened up a huge, uh, opportunity, I think, for her and I to really kind of reconcile things. Um, But it's scary and it's weird and it's hard to, you know, love somebody so deeply, have had them hurt you so many times, um, have called you a liar, have said that you, you know, don't, you're you're too much, you're all these things that are wrong, um, and then sort of have them in reconciling with their own parents' death, sort of realize that maybe they want to reconcile things with their own kids. Yeah, and th- and there's probably that other, like, interesting element, too, where, right, like, you're both kind of losing the people that you considered your parents because of the way they raised you. 
Yeah, yeah. And it's um it's weird. It's 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 so it's so complicated to have that sort of dynamic going around because you don't want to belittle like I don't want to belittle my mother for yeah. anything because she had to work 90 hours a week. You know, my father up and left in the middle of the night, drained their bank accounts and started a new life in Florida. You know, like she had to kill herself. So I understand, you know, why she wasn't around. And now um, as an adult, I understand maybe why she was pushed to her limits all the time and very reactionary and emotional and, um, you know, at times, violent or abusive in, in various ways. Um, not saying that it's right, but I, I think that now that I'm older, I sort of understand the insane extremes that she was in, whether, you know, willingly or otherwise and, um, how that affected her, especially as somebody who I don't, I don't feel out of turn saying this cause she said this to me before that she just doesn't care about like her feelings and emotions and she doesn't really, you know, they don't, she does, she says that they don't really affect her. But I think that I'm starting to see now that I, what she thinks is her emotions not affecting her is very much her emotions affecting her. And, um, yeah. it's very interesting to sort of have enough distance now from everything to kind of see that and be able to be a bit more of a compassionate ear as, challenging um as that can be sometimes yeah and it's like that that part of starting to see your parents as like these real flawed people versus just this like people that you had a tough relationship with growing up and being a kid and just wanting a mom and now like having those other feelings of them being like real people in the world and you being a real person in the world and trying to make that all work together yeah it's it's so it's so messy. Be, families are messy. And I think that it's really hard to sometimes reconcile the the imperfections of uh, being alive in a family and being, you know, complicated individuals that have all sorts of different things going on. You know, I, I, I think about how, you know, my mother was a single mother. She, um, had alopecia totalis since she was like 16. So she has no hair at all, no hair on her head, no hair, no eyebrows, nowhere. And to lose all your hair as a 16 year old girl, I can't even imagine, you know, I can't even imagine what sort of, you know, turmoil that brought upon her, you know, in, in the seventies, you know, at a time when long flowing hair was like the most desirable thing on a woman, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so like you sort of start to see and connect all of these things and, and understand the whole beyond like your reaction as a child. Like I was such a high energy, dramatic, never sleeping, always running around kid. And, um, I am I am just the polar opposite of my mother, and I think it's really funny that like the first um, child that she that she had that that lived a term like she's just I'm just the complete opposite of her in every way. I I think I challenged her on so many levels, um, and I think that she didn't necessarily know either how to handle that or had the capacity to handle that because she was also dealing with my father who was. Uh, incredibly emotionally manipulative, a victim of the world, um, 
uh, he used drugs, he cheated, you know, he he finished high school and he was the only member of his family to finish high school. And so she tried, you know, she paid for him to go to several different vocational schools, all of which he either dropped out of or um, gave up on. And, you know, in the middle of this, she was working 90 hours a week uh, at a hospital. And, um, you know, she had three kids and all three of us are very, very different. Um, it was just very, very tricky um, because we were all, hurting from a very young age. You know, my father left when I was 10. My little sister was six. My little brother was eight. Um, and, you know, immediately we were all sort of put in this situation where none of us really knew how to deal with their emotions about what was happening because nobody really fully understood what was happening. It was just such a huge betrayal, um, especially because he, you know, has two other kids with this woman and, and, you know, had, a, had, um, adopted a girl who also happens to be named Alicia Lutz. Um, and, uh, Whoa. yeah, um, for a while we thought that she was actually his daughter, but we recently found out that she's not. Um, so it's a stepsister, technically not a half sister, but, um, okay. Still, it's still kind of weird. <laughs> it was definitely a head yeah. trip and he wasn't super chill about it. Um, at the time he thought that she was his kid and, you know, he said like, I named her Alicia to replace you because I was the one that told my mom that my dad had a girlfriend, not realizing that it was weird for like a dad who's married to have a girlfriend. That was really complicated. You know, he, like I said, told me that he named the other Alicia to replace me. And as a 10 year old, I was devastated. I remember I wrote him this really nasty letter um, that was like, my dog would be a better dad than you. You're a monster, you know, like very, very, very dramatic. But what's so funny about a lot of that is that in retrospect, because I emoted and I wrote things down and I wrote songs and letters and stories, I processed my emotions about it all in a way that nobody else in my family did. And I think yeah. that that caused such a huge issue between all of us because I'm, like I said, I'm very emotional and I'm also very expressive. So I just want to talk about things and I want to feel my feelings and I want to understand what those feelings mean. And everyone in my family is like, that's not a thing we do. <laughs> <laughs> we just shut down and don't talk about things. We'll have a huge fight and tell each other we wish we were dead. And the next morning, just act like literally nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you were somebody that was like, hey, let's like talk about these things and maybe figure out how to make this all work. And they were like, there's nothing wrong. What do you want to talk about? Yeah, yeah. It's I, I, I keep saying that the past two years of this Trump presidency has been very triggering for me because all of this gaslighting that he does of like, oh, no, 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 no. The thing that you think happened, actually, the complete opposite is true, is the exact environment I grew up in with, um, you know, my mother, my brother and my sister. Um, and it is so disorienting to kind of grow up constantly being told you're too much, you're too emotional, you're not telling the truth, you're being dramatic, you're, you know, you're putting putting on a show, like, this is not how you genuinely feel, this is not how people should feel, you know, um, and that was 
man, I'm still dealing with the ramifications of that now. I go to a therapist every week to deal with that shit. <laughs> yeah, and it's like at the end of the day, that's just who you were and it was different from who your parents and your siblings were. Yeah. So so instead of being like, oh, you're different, it's like, no, your your feelings aren't real. Yeah, and you know, it caused so much uh, strife and drama in my family that I felt really was wholly my fault you know like I I was hurting so much and and I, yeah. I reached out in you know to friends at school and you know told them things that happened and you know uh wrote notes to them and and because and I was a sad I was such a sad kid uh you know for like as outwardly happy as I was I was just drowning in my own emotions and um you know it was sort of like the first time I really understood what depression was um you know I I I wanted to die. I was in fifth grade and I wanted to die. And I I remember, I'm sorry, sixth grade, not fifth grade. Um, and I remember writing a letter to my friend, Jessica Thomas, um, you know, saying that. And she sent it to, I think, the principal or somebody. And then uh, the Department of Children and Family Services showed up at my house. Um, Whoa. Yeah, which caused a lot of drama, especially because it was not the first time they were called to my house. Um, it happened a few times, in fact. And um, there was a lot of anger directed towards me that it was my fault that all of this was happening. Um, I was ruining everyone's lives by, you know, betraying the family trust, um, which was something that my brother said uh, at one point. He he would, he would um, sometimes listen in on the phone when I was talking to my friends. And if I was talking about how sad I was or if I talked about the fact that you know, maybe my mom slapped me across the face or, you know, my brother punched me or something. Um, at one point I, I was talking about that sort of stuff with, uh, my friend Vicky and he heard it and he was like, don't betray the trust. You don't betray the family trust and hung up the phone and then came running for me where I was in my room. And that was very scary. And my friend Vicky who was on the phone with called, you know, the police and or DCF and, and, you know, they showed up again and, and it was, a lot of that back and forth um, with both my little sister and my little brother, which is kind of weird because I am the oldest. So I think you a lot of times think that the oldest is the one that's in charge and the one that's like says what's going on. But I, I was, you know, I just wanted my little siblings to love me, but also I felt very, you know, responsible. And so I didn't want to, I didn't want to push them and I'm super not violent. I'm super adverse to it. Um, I think probably because it was so prevalent in a lot of ways in my family. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there, there were some messy times with the three of us with, you know, hitting and punching and, and, um, because I, you know, I would express how I felt and, and it made me a target in my family, especially because I was so sensitive about it and felt like, it, there were things that I was doing that must have been causing all of this. Like, uh, you know, my, uh, at one point when I was 16, my brother and I got into a fight, uh, where he held a knife to my throat and, um, said that he was going to kill me. And I called the cops, um, because I was scared and, uh, the cops showed up and we got taken in and I got in so much trouble with my family because I was the one that called. 
I was being dramatic. I shouldn't have let it escalate that far, you know, but, and that was like, it, it really was kind of put on me as like, what were you, what were you doing? What were you thinking? Um, you're supposed yeah, even to be though adult in your brother, yeah, the, your brother was the he, one who was holding the knife to you. He's physically bigger yeah. than me too. And yeah. he's like a very, and like, I have a really hard time talking about my brother cause he and I haven't really spoken in over two years. And, um, it's so complicated and we're just so different. I'm actually really scared that if he hears this, it's going to make everything so much worse. But um, at the same time, I just feel like, again, like families are so messy and people are so emotional and complicated. And when you don't talk about things and, and express your feelings, your family becomes a powder keg of just emotional, physical, mental abuse and it's just and it's just because hurt people hurt people, you know, like I feel like that's so much of of what I've been grappling with is like, yeah, I'm really mad that, you know, my brother beat me over the head with a wine rack and then held a knife to my throat. And then I got in trouble because I was the one that called the cops. Um, you know, it's it's hard. But I I think through being as fortunate as I am to be as um, willing to explore my own emotions and feelings as I am, even if I don't necessarily understand what they are, um, has made it so that I, I, I don't, I don't want to hold on to the, the fear in my heart anymore. I think that's been like the biggest thing, you know, my brother just had a, a baby and like, all I want to do is meet his son. Yeah. But I'm, but I'm scared, you know, and I'm sorry I'm getting emotional, but like, no, I, no, it's, I, it's a lot because <laughs> it, I, I just yeah. like, I don't want to put that on his wife and his kid, you know, but at the yeah. same time, like, I want to, I want to be a part of that kid's life. I, I don't want my brother to hate me. I just want this to be better, but it's so complicated. And I think it's made so much more complicated right now by this environment that we're in politically, you know? <laughs> yeah, where where everything is just so much more extreme, yeah, and and I'm very liberal and very outspoken, and they really have a hard time with that, and it's really hard to have those discussions of, well, this is a feeling versus facts, and and experience is one part of a puzzle of what a, you know, a personal experience is one part of the puzzle of what it means to have you know to exist, and what existence means, and what you know, what, uh, experiences mean and how all many different experiences make up a whole picture. And, you know, that's really complicated work to, or conversations to try and have with people that don't want to talk about their feelings or emotions and clamp that stuff down and, and just sort of do what they feel is quote unquote, the right thing to do. And and that's the end, you know? Yeah. And it, it seems like the, the, the 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 tough part is that you know you want to be able to be you and you want your kind of siblings to be able to be the versions of them but you also want to be able to like have a middle ground and it's harder to find that middle ground in the world that we're living in today right like that's yeah it's so hard I can't even tell you you know I I, I it takes so much work and patience and humility and false starts and, and frustrating um, hiccups. But, you know, like with my little sister, for example, you know, she's a cop. Um, she 
she's in South Carolina. Uh, my, my brother actually doesn't live in South Carolina anymore, but like she's still in South Carolina and you know, she and I have had many conversations. Like she literally graduated from the Academy the day of the Charleston church shooting that happened oh. like that. It was like the day it was the day. I'm sorry. Her, her graduation was the day after that happened. So okay. it was very scary, you know, and she, you know, that's where she graduated and that's the work she was going into, you know, and, and, um, and that's really scary for an older sister to be like, I'm, you know, I, I want, I, I'm so the reasons that she became a cop, I feel are very noble. And she is somebody that for all of the issues that we had, um, for the, you know, sort of a lack, the lack of emotional education that we were afforded as kids, um, you know, she's been through so much now, you know, she's, she's a full adult now and, um, you know, she's going to be 30 next year and she's, she's lived some life and she's experienced some horrific shit and, um, not just like in, at work in her personal life too. And I think that that's the, her experiences with that, I think are what have made, given us both the, um, the language to be able to speak to each other and to, sort of have these discussions, you know, like she and I got in a big fight about Black Lives Matter and um, about what supporting that organization means and and sort of like socialized racism, you know, having that conversation yeah, yeah, yeah. is really difficult. But, you know, I, tr- I try and, and we've definitely had some ups and downs and tricky, um, you know, roadblocks because of that. But at the end of the day, I think so much because of what she's experienced, she's able to say like, we may not agree on these things, but like, I love you and you're my sister. Um, and I like want us to have that relationship. You know, I think that family's become really important to her in, you know, the waning years since the things that she went through, um, which I won't speak to on a podcast because it's her no, no, yeah. story. <laughs> but it's like, it's just, but what, like those experiences basically gave her a little bit more of that emotional background that you were raised with and yeah. it let you kind of find that common ground a bit more because you could connect on a, a little bit of a deeper level because of those. I mean, not that they're positive experiences, it sounds like, but just having those experiences let a little bit more of the emotional side into her, right? Yeah. Yeah. I really think so. I really, really think so. Um, and, uh, it's been really nice. Like she's gone back to school recently and it's, you know, she, I was like such a bookworm nerdy school. I love, <laughs> yeah. I love school so much. I literally, when I was little, um, the week before the first day of school, I would put my first day of school outfit on every day and like my backpack and my name tag and stand in front of the mirror. And I had a little bit of a lisp too. And I would go, my name is Lisa Lutz and I'm ready for school. Uh, that was, that's the kid I was. Yeah, I was kind of that kid too. So I get, I get it. So like, it's really nice now when like she wants to talk to, you know, she's like taking these classes and she's like, well, can you talk to me about this stuff? Like, I'm trying to understand this and like being able to be like, oh, let's, yeah, like let's, let's look at this sort of stuff from like the Quran and like, let's look at this, these different sort of like, what does extremism look at different religions? And, you know, just cause she happens to be taking a religion class right now. And like all of that stuff has been really great. And I think that's also really brought us together because, um, you know, I, I, she's so smart. <laughs> she's so fucking smart. And she really, really doubts her intelligence. And, you know, it was, it's been so amazing to be able to be like, no, Stephanie, like you've got this. I, I just read that paper. Like, 
I, I don't have any, I don't have any, you know, it was so great. Like she wrote this paper a couple weeks ago and she worked so hard on it because, you know, her teacher had given her all these notes back about like what was sort of missing in terms of fleshing out her argument. And she sent me it to read and I looked at it. I was like, Steph, this is really great. Like I really don't have any changes. And she got, she got it back and she got a perfect score and she was so <laughs> excited. And I was just so fucking proud of her. I was like, I literally didn't do anything to this. I told you you're, you're fucking smart. Like don't doubt this, you know? Yeah. We're now like, you're this proud mom for your younger oh, sister. Yeah. I definitely like, definitely, uh, I think it's much, I think it's much easier for them to handle now because when I was little, like I definitely kind of took on a mom role, role in a lot of ways, you know, and to help my, yeah. And I mean, in a way you kind of had to right? in the scenario yeah. that you were kind of put in at that time. Yeah. I, I had the driver's license once we were 16. Yeah. So <laughs> guess who was driving them to all their practices? Um, yeah. So like I said, it's, it's so complicated, but I think that, that it's, you know, this sort of emotional journey that we go on, you know, like I, there were a few years there where I just like, I didn't talk to my family at all. I reach out. I, it was too, it hurt too much to talk to them. And I think since moving away from New York to California, having that physical distance and like the time difference difference, which doesn't feel like a lot, but like three hours really does make a huge difference um, sometimes. Uh, I think it gave me the space, you know, to sort of take stock of what my life was and and the, the narrative that I had been given about what my life was and who I was and you know, I work in a creative town in a creative industry where, you know, you're supposed to be in touch with your feelings and your emotions. And, and, uh, you know, it, it allowed me to just kind of do the work on a more constructive level rather than just being like, I feel this feeling. <laughs> and then, yeah, just, it like, like gave you like, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You had that moment of like, okay, I feel this feeling, but like, what does that feeling mean? Like take yeah. an extra second with the feeling. And what happens if I breathe through it? What happens if I yeah. meditate for a few minutes? What happens if I go on a hike? You know, like all of these little things that ultimately like make huge difference that I think was, was hard for me to do when I was in New York, because like I said, the, you know, the, the, the proximity to my family, the, um, and the, I mean, like when I lived in New York, I love New York so much. I love it. I'm obsessed with it. I would move back to New York any day of the week. Um, but like I was, I knew I had so many friends out there. I was constantly running around. I was doing all sorts of things that were fun and exciting and new and weird. I was working at MTV. I mean, there was just so much going on. Um, but then when I moved out to LA, I was doing a complete life 180. I was like, all right, well now I'm going to be a writer professionally. And oh yeah, I know two people in Los Angeles. Oh wait, one of them just moved back to New York. I know one person in Los Angeles. <laughs> so I got a lot of time on my hands, you know? Yeah. And it let you kind of like take stock a little bit more of like what's important and getting back to the sort of role of family in your life. Yeah. And just like, and, and, you know, I think writing too, that was I've always wanted to be a writer. Um, I think that I've, and I've always been a very um, personally sort of expressive, per like I'm very open about a lot of things. And, you know, when I was very little, like I think one of the first things somebody ever told me about writing is write what you know, um, which is great if you don't feel extreme discomfort and incredible guilt about <laughs> possibly ruining your family's lives for writing yeah. what you know. <laughs> Um, that held me back for so long. 
Um, and it was, it was really, really challenging. And I think, I honestly think I sort of had this kind of watershed moment with it when the first script that I wrote about sort of like a glimpse into sort of the family stuff was about the fact that I have this half sister also named Alicia, um, who, uh, you know, sort of has a very colorful past uh, and present as I have sort of gleaned through, you know, accidental emails that go to my account instead of hers. <laughs> or, you know, I like I found out she was pregnant because my this is so embarrassing. I found out she was pregnant because my Google alert alerted me to somebody posting on a baby gaga forum. Which is oh like my God. moms. <laughs> so um, you know, I kind of like I, I heightened that tale um and sort of wrote about it and it was like the first time where I was like, oh, this like this script feels like a script. You know, this story feels like something I can see visually. And I think that in doing that, I sort of gave myself permission to like be inspired by, but not necessarily have to tell the exact story word for word. You know, like I don't have to tell the story of like you know, being a young girl who was like sexually assaulted and then her father leaves and has this other daughter and then this happens and then, you know, like it can be sort of like, oh, well, you know, she's, she's doing this sort of thing. What if I elevate what she's doing and make it like this? And what if it's, you know, uh, the person that would be me is more like this character and then, or more like does more like this sort of thing. And, and what if, you know, the dad is actually this like crazy successful businessman, you know, and just sort of like, yeah. Be able to have fun with the absurdity that I know very well <laughs> and the yeah. kind of which I thrive, um, but not feel like I'm saying like this is an admonishment on every single person that is in this story that is directly related to like my own experience. Yeah, just taking those experiences and then kind of twisting them and using them in a positive way that is is both benefiting you as a writer, but also kind of like then not, yeah, not disparaging your family in the process because that's not what you're trying to do. Yeah, uh, yeah, really, really not. But I do want to speak to these, you know, it's 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 one thing that's really incredible about having, you know, being verified on Twitter and having this sort of public persona, you know, from the years that I've been doing this stuff. Um, people really do kind of, reach out and, and, and it's very humbling to hear people say that, like, they really appreciate that I have, you know, been vocal and taught and spoken about these things and these sort of relationships. And, and, um, you know, you, you, you want to, I, I keep saying that like storytelling, it's, it's so important. And I think the reason that is, is because I think that we get more empathy and compassion from seeing stories that, you know, maybe we thought were supposed to be weird because we'd never seen them before. Or, you know, maybe all families are just supposed to be like this because I, you know, I've only seen these families depicted in this way, you know. And I think that that's, I think we're seeing more and more. And that's why I love, especially like I'm a millennial, but like especially the generation below mine, the, those kids are going to fucking change the world because they are so open and honest. And yeah. About things, you know, I see it a lot. I see it to a certain degree um, with people my age, especially with the incredible women that I know that are having families now, and the fact that like 
we don't talk about miscarriages at all. And they happen all the time, you know, but like you see those photos on Facebook all the time of like everyone looking happy and like, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. And you like, people don't talk about like, you know, my mom had four miscarriages. I have some friends that have had like several of themselves now. And it's sort of like, oh, you know, everyone made it seem like, like making or having a family is so easy, but we know that's not true because all of these things are happening, but like no one wanted to talk about it. And so I think that, you know, talking about family stuff and, and relating in that way to these sad realities. And yes, they're sad, but um, it's beautiful, the empathy that comes out of sort of learning from those sad stories. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you that it's nicer to see the other experiences and know that it's not it's not all perfect, but it's OK that it's not perfect because yeah. that's like unrealistic. And I think that's how we all sort of reconcile with ourselves who we are like I yes. think that it's so easy I mean for me my whole life I still struggle with it to this day I'm a 32 year old woman who has written for a compendium of impressive outlets I've interviewed incredible people I've had my own fucking show and I still am like oh I'm like the worst person that's ever existed <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> holy shit I'm like a monster oh my god why does anybody want to be around me oh my god I'm transcribing this interview how could anyone speak speak to me like yeah, and, yeah you know but um I think that's because we need to allow for more grace and forgiveness and compassion totally uh, for the learning curve <laughs> that is dealing with all of these crazy unknown variables um and our own emotional spaces in the thick of it it's so I mean I feel like I keep saying it but it is it's so hard and I think the only way that that gets better is through telling stories. This is also why I get so fucking crazy about like diversity and representation because I'm like, we are telling such one-dimensional, very white stories and there are so many other ways that people are experiencing the world and we need to see them. We have yeah. to see them so we can understand what makes up our world and what ways in which we are intentionally or otherwise hurting other people. That's such an important lesson to learn, especially right now when we have a president who literally only cares about himself, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, there's just, I'm on, I, I agree with everything you just said. It's great. It's, it's like, it's okay that people have tough times. Cause that doesn't mean that something's wrong. You know, I yeah. guess that's like, cause it seems like, yeah, you, you have come out on the other side of this thing and it's obviously not all perfect, but you've, found sort of a new a new way to deal with this and and grow with this and it's obviously like always changing but you're yeah it feels like you're in a better place to kind of look at your family dynamic and and try to keep I don't get improving with it right you know it's it's I so many people told me that I should just cut my family out of my life that I would be happier I would be better um, I would I would feel better about myself and um, have better perspectives to be able to move forward on things. And I just could not ever, ever bring myself to do that. You know, like literally like I have been physically assaulted by my family. I've been told terrible things. I've had knives, you know, coming at me on more than one occasion. And yet still, in spite of that, like I just... I know these people are people that are just hurting and I, I want to help and I feel like I need to help and beyond just helping, I just want 
them to feel loved because I don't necessarily know if we felt a lot of love growing up. Um, at least I didn't. And, um, it's, I think it, it's what makes everything better. I think that it solves a lot of our problems. Yeah. Um, and I think that even if it's harder to love, I would rather try every single day to love them um, than live with the hole that I know that would exist in my heart um, from separating them. And everybody, everybody has to make that choice for themselves. Every, you know, it's every family dynamic is different. Every person is different. What they can handle is different. And you shouldn't, you know, just because I'm saying like, oh, look at me, like I'm trying really hard to like love my family and, and be a part of my family in spite of all the hurt they've caused me. Like just because I'm saying that doesn't mean that everybody has to do that. My situation is very particular. It's very, it's very specific to my experience, my family's experience. Um, but I am somebody that, oh, I just, I love, I love so much. I love so deeply. I love so hard to just completely shut down on that with them after all that we have been through after, you know, what our father did to us, after what, you know, the hard times, the circumstances put on us. Um, I just feel like I know deep down in my heart, if I just continue to love them and find the boundaries for myself so that I don't necessarily get hurt from trying to love them, even though, you know, it happens sometimes, but, you know, self-care and all that stuff is really, and mental health is all really important. I just feel like I feel better about myself knowing that I've tried and, and feeling confident in that, uh, I feeling confident in, in knowing that that's all you can do. And if, if you live a life coming from a place of love, I I think that even, even for all the, the good and bad that happens in life, because being alive is very difficult. Um, you there's a sense of peace that it brings me and i think that i just have to keep looking for that in my life every day <laughs> no it's I mean, it's really beautiful like it's it's and i feel like it goes back to like that original thing of you just were the one who cared and had the emotions and it's like you know what you can take now and and what you can handle and you know that it's worth it for you because that love is important to you. And, and I think that's like really uh, like that you're it's 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 great that you're trying despite all of this like tough stuff that has happened over the years. Yeah. Uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, Alicia, for sharing that. That was so beautiful and so great. Um, and yeah. I feel like it's still a journey that you're kind of on today. Like it's not the story's not over. Kind oh, of, right? yeah. No, yeah. it's super not over. It's probably not over ever in life, but it's certainly... Yeah, I, I guess certainly nobody's won't family feel there's story. a chapter ending until, like, you know, I, like, meet my son, my brother's son. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that feels yeah. Like that, that would feels, maybe be a Yeah, that does feel like some kind of a... Yeah, we can go to the next thing now. Yeah. Uh, cool. <laughs> yeah, if people... I, I, I mean, if people want to find out more about you, like, where can they go to find more things and what do you have going on that you want to tell people about? Oh, gosh. Well, um, I'm writing on the internet for a bunch of different places um yeah i'm so yeah i'm on i'm on twitter at alicia lutz on instagram at alicia lutz um so of course i had to get that 
handle before the other relationships got it. Um, yeah, that would have been that would have been a real tough break. <laughs> you know, it's it's really funny being somebody who's like has mild notoriety and then like has that happen because like I've had some. This is turning into another story. I I've had some weird experiences of people thinking information about her was about me and it, yeah. it always causes for very weird interactions <laughs> well thanks so much alicia thank you so much i really appreciate it this is how we love this is how we fight for something that's right love hurts is produced hosted and edited by brian berlin Theme music by Mickey Hommel. Show art by Caroline Mallon. You can find Love Hurts on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend about it. You can find Love Hurts on Instagram and Twitter at lovehurtspod, and our website is lovehurtspod.com. I'm Brian Berlin, and this is Love Hurts.